0: and welcome back to Talk 4342. Today I am joined with all of our mentors from home. We're still in quarantine, but we've got a nice Q&A um, because we haven't been able to spend so much time with them this season and continue to learn more. Uh, with me here today is...
1: I'm Mr. Fulmer, physics teacher and mentor.
2: Ann Louise Jeffrey, mentor.
1: Chad ja Jeffrey, mentor.
2: Christina Gorman, mentor.
3: Bernie Wilson, mentor. Maya Domperna, mentor.
4: Wes Bowers, mentor. Uh,
0: Thank you all for joining me today. Uh, I know that it's not the best circumstances, and we're sorry for any background noise that comes through on this. Uh, We're still in the same situation as our past few uh, uploads, but we're making do with the best we can. So uh, Ryan and Baden both had the same question here. Nice and easy start. Could you just let me know how and when you got involved with the team?
1: This is Mr. Fulmar. I got involved with the team when a student by the name of Steve Lawton back in 2011 asked me if I would be willing to be the mentor. And um, as I always say, little did I know what all it would involve, or how long it would last, or how much time it would take. Um, But that's how I got involved. He asked me, and I said yes, and uh, I've been here since.
4: It was about four years ago that uh, the team came for a demonstration of my church. And they demonstrated the robot of the year. And I said, wow, that's pretty neat. Um, uh, I'm an electrical engineer. And I thought, well, wow, robotics, it, it's right up my alley. I like to build things. So I've been a mentor for four years as a result of that public outreach.
2: So this is Andrews and Chad Jeffrey, And we're probably the newer mem- newest member mentors on the team. We got involved just this season. Um, didn't even make it through a full first season, unfortunately, but um, uh, we we got involved because we had two kids on the team and um, with the time commitment, as the students know, it's a lot and we figured we wanted to see our kids, so that would be a one way to do it, but also just to be involved um, with the other students. It, it was It was fun.
1: And our kids amazingly
5: said yes.
2: Yeah, they wanted us there. So if you're listening, Luke and Savannah, hopefully you agree.
5: (laughs) Um, So my name is Ernie Wilson. Um, I was actually a student on the team back in 2014. Um, So that's how my story began. I was actually in Mr. Phillips's room, first period, and uh, a kid named Magnus Murray sat in front of me, and I was good friends with him at the time. And I asked him, like, you know about this robotics thing? Are you joining that? Um, Because I saw it on KTV. And he said, yeah, I'm going to look into that. I was like, all right, I'll do that too. And I had no idea what I had gotten into there. Um, but since then, it was, it was so much fun. I was a sophomore at the time. So I got three years as a student, graduated in 2016, went to Westchester and immediately wanted to come back to mentors because I loved it so much. Um, so I guess this would have been my sixth or seventh season in first or something. Um, this, I guess my third or fourth as a mentor. Um, it's just a lot of fun. So that's basically my start. And I was just a student, joined the team. I loved it so much and wanted to come back.
6: So this is Christina, Mrs. Gorman. Um, So I used to be really involved with Kennett Education Foundation, and they were doing these uh, annual $10,000 grants for some new great idea. And um, uh, 10, 11 years ago, I guess, is when um, this one came across our plate to start a robotics team. And personally, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is something my boys, when they get to the high school, would absolutely love. So I jumped behind it with KEF. Um, Steve Lawton and Dan Fulmar were the writers of the grant, or the yeah, request for the grant, and they received it. So from that moment on, I knew that this would be something in our lives. And after our son's first year on the team, which was the second year of the team, um, I was bitten by the bug and um, went to Mr. Fulmar and asked if there was any room for another mentor. So um, been ever since, absolutely love it. Favorite part of my year is uh, robotics season.
3: So I guess I'm up. This is Dominic. Um, I had just retired back 2010. About a year later, I got an email forwarded to me uh, that Nadine had, had, uh, had directed to her. They were looking for mentors for the robotics team. It was from uh, uh, Del Tosto, I think the name was. Uh, the, his, the son was on the team. He was the driver at the time and he drove like a maniac. So uh, his nickname for me was Mad Dog Del Tosto. But uh, I responded to the email and said, yeah, I think I could probably help. I was actually a little bit nervous about whether or not yeah, I knew enough stuff to, to help with uh, the robotics thing. But I think it turned out that uh, I could contribute some stuff. So that's uh, that's eight years ago. Still going.
0: Um, that's great. From Laney, we have, what is your favorite number?
1: 42, because it's the answer to the greatest question in the universe. Agreed. Yeah, I went 42.
0: I think
6: I'd say the same thing. I think we're all from that same vein. We all know.
0: All right. Easy enough. <laughs> um, so from Savannah, we have, what was your first job? However far back that might be.
1: This is Mr. Fulmar. My first job that I got paid for was working on a local dairy farm, helping to milk milk the cows and pitch manure and bale hay and pretty much anything else they could convince a uh, nine-year-old kid to do. I didn't make much money, but I learned a lot.
4: My first, and this is Wes, my first job um, was when I was about 16. I was a counselor at a Boy Scout camp. What I remember is I got paid $75. That was for the whole Wheat week season. Um, My first job after I got out of college was with uh, Philadelphia Electric as an electrical engineer. I worked in the nuclear power industry, um, designing and licensing nuclear power plants. So that was a fun job.
3: I'm going to jump in here. This is Dominic. Uh, My dad decided that at 13 I was suitable for picking blueberries with the migrant farm workers in South Jersey. It was a dollar a carrier and, uh, I think I ate more blueberries than I actually put in the carrier. So I didn't make a whole lot of money. But, and all I learned was all the uh, swear words from the uh, migrant farm workers. They thought it was funny to teach me that stuff.
2: Um, My very first job was at a movie theater concession stand. And the biggest lesson that I learned was that I hate that nacho cheese. And the machine is horrendous to clean um, at the end of the night and I will not touch this stuff ever again.
5: This is Chad and my first job was on a tree farm. So I would trim Christmas trees in the heat of July uh, and um, also planting uh, trees and a and, uh, nursery and, and things like that. So love being outside, very, very great boss.
6: My parents put me to work very young. Um, we had a massive cornfield um, in addition to their other business. My dad, when he came from Ireland, they were farmers. So I think the farmer in him stuck and um, had a huge Cornfield. So I had to pick it. I had to put it out roadside and sell it in the summers. Um, I remember it was a dollar for twelve, and I was I got five dollars a day for selling and picking the corn. Um, I, don't, I can't remember how many summers I did that, but I was I was probably eight when I started doing that. So technically, that was my first job.
5: I guess my first job uh, was a little bit interesting. Um, this was about I guess 2014. So coincidentally. Uh, Actually, it really wasn't a coincidence when I think about it. Um, the year I joined robotics, the year I was also, I started interning uh, for a company in Canada, uh, Chatham Financial. Um, I started there in the summer of 2014, which was just after the robotics season. And I am dead set, 100% convinced that the reason I got that job was because I did robotics that semester beforehand, because I used so much material in the interview and talking to them, telling I them about robotics. Um, and if I had not done it, I genuinely believe that they wouldn't have given me a chance because I remember walking in there with some robot code and being like, I promise you, like, I know how to code. I've done this before. And, I had to work with a team, like I collaborated and blah, blah, blah. And they, I'm surprised that they we did entertain a 16 and a half year old at the time who had to be dropped off by their mom for a software intern position. Yeah, they, they gave me a chance that summer and um, they decided to let me come back. So I worked there for a few years. I got a lot of experience out of there. Um, I don't currently work there. I've worked there about a year, but I got so much work, so much experience out of that place for a few years. And I'm dead set convinced that if I had not done robotics that previous semester, I wouldn't have been prepared for that moment. So, really comes down to my favorite saying. I really feel like if my dad has taught me this luck favors the prepared, just because I was truly ready for that situation where Mr. Ryan, um, a counselor um, at the Kennett High School, sent an email out and basically intersected this thing from Chatham. And I was kind of ready with a resume with experience in robotics to kind of show that. Show, prove them that i did have what i what it could you know to join and you know start learning and helping and contributing to them um so i am convinced that robotics helped with that so i do think that was really cool um as far as what i did that summer it was mostly programming really i worked with on the engineering team there um just it's basically a tech company that even though they do a lot of financials they use a lot of technology to deter to make uh business models and mathematical models to make you know decisions and a lot of crazy technology there but it was a lot of fun working there for peers and I would really like to work there after college personally, but we'll see.
0: Ernie, the true testament to everything that we've talked about on the college podcast so far. Um, All right. Next question comes from Emma. Uh, If you could rename D9 or any of our other robots, what would you name them?
5: So, all right. I don't know if I have an exact name for it, but I am always a big fan of naming year by year. So I'm just going to use an example. I was a big fan in 2017 where people started calling our robot Steaminator. I, I, then again, though, that name doesn't really work unless you've had a demonator already. But I don't know, just to get some ideas flowing, I just thought, I thought that was pretty cool that year. It's just I, I think it was kind of sad. Too. It was in the middle of the season. Someone kind of realized that. So it wasn't really like a pre-planned thing or like, hey, Steaminator is like, in the middle of it someone just kind of like made that connection but i always thought that was pretty cool like in this like early the subtle names i think are really cool like in 2018 that cheesy pooch robot was named lockdown which i can only assume that's because that year you lock down the whole field with all the cubes and no one could do anything on those scales and switches so so i don't have an sorry i don't have an exact answer but i always thought i always thought it was pretty cool to name year by year and kind of vary it based on the year. I always thought that was really neat.
1: We could have named our first robot Dunkinator or Dumpinator. It was a really good robot, but it was really, really simple. But I think we didn't have a really strong marketing team, and we were kind of scraping the barrel just to get a robot built. And having an elaborate process and a lot of thought as to what we should name it was kind of uh, pretty low on the priority list. So Demonator had a nice ring to it, and and that's how it happened. So far, far it's stuck. It's pretty easy, and there's no debate about it. But yeah, no doubt we could get more creative if we if we try
0: all right next question comes from Rio and then I'm gonna build on what he asked uh, Rio is asking what do you think is the most important trait for an engineer to have and then I'm gonna say in addition to that what do you think is the most in- important trait to be looking if you're looking to work with other people in a larger group setting
1: Th- this is this is uh, Dan Mr. Fulmer I can go um, one of the things that I think is important I, I, I knew before, but I think it was reinforced by Dom or the Dominator, as we sometimes call him. When you're working with other people, it's important to check your ego at the door. and I've been impressed by the amount of times our mentors have been able to do that because when you're an engineer, you know you worked really hard for at least four years and come out of college and you think you know more than anybody else, and you want to get to work and put all that knowledge you know into practice and you have all these great ideas, and sometimes it's difficult to step back and realize that you know maybe you're not the smartest person or the brightest light bulb in the room, and uh, you have to take other people's input and give credit where credit is due. So I think that's very important in working with other people. Say I infrequently and say we more frequently. And in terms of being a good engineer, I think it's looking at problems as opportunities rather than roadblocks or issues. I mean, that's what engineers do, they solve problems. And if you look at problems as part of your job, instead of as a nuisance, uh, I think you'll be more effective and I think you'll enjoy your work more. That's that's my two cents.
4: Probably the the most important trait I think is problem solving, being able to look at the data and then make a decision based on the data. So you can't just jump to a conclusion saying, oh yeah, I think this is how the problem has to be solved, but you really have to evaluate the data and be open to all sorts of ideas. Your first potential solution to a design problem may not be the most appropriate one. So just sort of what we do in robotics is we do a prototype and see whether it works, and then we build the real thing, and then we tweak it and tweak it. And if there's a problem, we try to get the data in order to make the the next tweak to make it even better. I think that one of the most important traits is to listen, listen to the other people that are on your team. Um, engineering is a, a really involves a lot of teamwork. There's, uh, I don't of any engineers that work totally by themselves uh, to produce whatever they're trying to produce. It's always uh, based on talking to other people and listening to the other people, being open to other people's ideas.
3: I'm gonna echo um, Wes on this one. Turns out I'm going to combine the listening as the trait to work with people and also being a good engineer because I, I don't know how many times I've gone out and talked to people, like on the manufacturing floor at a plant where they were having some kind of issue and asked them, All right, how do you think we ought to solve this? More often than not, they had thought about it enough, figured it out, had some pretty good thoughts, and you listen and then you execute what they've what they've thought about or what they told you. More often than not, it, it resolves the problem. Um, but listening does, um, it's a tough thing to do to push your ego to the background and pay attention to what somebody else is saying and not try to override, overrule, you know, overthink, whatever. But I think listening is probably Uh, the most critical component of of, uh, both working with others and trying to be a good engineer?
2: Um, I'm not going to speak specifically to the engineering part, but um, just from a workplace standpoint, um, totally agree um, with everything I just heard, but also um, flexibility and uh, having a growth Mindset. Those are big buzzwords right now in all sorts of industries. But um, right now in healthcare, I can tell you that um, with the pandemic, we have had um, all sorts of um, new roles, new skills, things that we never um, would have thought we needed to do. Um, but yet we're there and we have to figure out how to do it and how to do it with a good attitude. And um, sort of um, realizing that what you think you are being paid to do, like you have in your mind as far as what my job is and what's expected, but then all of a sudden something can come in and change it. And um, so being flexible, adaptable, um, following the science, and um, just being a good um, employee and teammate um, are skills that you You never really know how they're going to manifest themselves, but um, they're skills that you will need no matter what. So um, keep that in mind no matter what field you think you're going to end up in.
0: Um, Building off of that, because you all had to learn that somewhere, uh, how did you get into your current careers or your previous one or where you hope to be, Ernie?
5: I, I think I really like what everyone said about the working with others. I just want to mention one more thing with that. Um, I think it's really, really important. To, I think that listening, like, I really do want to emphasize the listening. Like we say that, like, and kind of just in stride and just kind of move on with it. But you truly, really do need to be a good listener. And I know it's really dumb, but it really is kind of like true. But you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, it is more important. Like I'll, I'll quantify it for you. That's two greater than one. <laughs> um, but I, don't know, I, I think Chatham really taught me a lot about teamwork and collaboration, and I truly do think, um, and also I guess last year when I worked for the state of Delaware, um, it was very similar. Um, So I do truly think that they helped me grow and learn um, and become a better person in general to help me get to where I need to be. If that makes sense. So like, I feel like they didn't really teach me maybe so much of specific skills on how to, you know, maybe how to do this, but you know, how to specifically do this, but maybe more so they taught me how to learn and how to grow. Um, and I think that's what counts more. Um, and I think that using that and using what I've learned in school and through meeting others, um, I'm pretty confident, you know, within the next year, I'll have, a, I'll be in a place that I'll, I'll enjoy and I'll like um, with people. And I'm very confident of that personally. Uh, but it really all comes down to just working well with people in general not really even about the technicalities of it forget what even field you're in it's just really a people thing you know um that's what i think anyway um i think that's your question i
0: I think you're good (laughs) christina yeah
6: so when i grow up because i still don't know exactly what i want to do when i grow up but um so i'm an artist i mean that's uh from Very young, that's all I ever wanted to do is be an artist and be creative. So it's interesting, my life, how that's gone through different phases and applied to different um, jobs and um, fields that I've worked in. It easily led into marketing um, and work that I've done over the years in marketing. Um, as well as sales. And I find it very interesting learning uh, what makes people tick and why they, um, why they want to do certain things, why they need something. So, you know, and how they react to things around them. Um, so marketing to me plays into all that. And um, everything we've, everybody said there earlier, the whole idea of listening more than you speak that, and you all could laugh at that with me because I do speak a lot but it, it is very true because you'll learn more from others and what they want and what their needs are if you listen and then you can better help them so when I grow up I don't know what I'm going to end up doing when I have an empty house here but um, I definitely love the idea of uh, helping people find the areas in their life where they want to be and uh, go for their goals
1: I. Um... I mentioned that my first job was working on a dairy farm, but in eighth grade English class, we were asked to write a paper on what we wanted to do when we grew up. And I remember in eighth grade, I wrote that I wanted to be a mechanical engineer and work in the auto industry. And I really like cars, so I was a motorhead. you know back in when I was a kid, People were into cars. I used. To, I remember teasing Ernie about this. He was describing his computer to me one time, like water-cooled this and turbo that and hot rod this and you know dual processor and quad this and the other thing. I said, Ernie, you sound like a kid talking about his car. And I realized that you know, for kids in in Ernie's and your Ellie's generation, you know, you're not into cars the way we were clearly, but you are into technology a way we weren't. But I really like cars, and I really like machines, and I like mechanic work. So I thought, oh, mechanical engineer, that's the way to go. Um, So I enrolled at Penn State, studied mechanical engineering. I was the only person in my family um, to study engineering. Almost the only person I knew, except one of my uncles, was a civil engineer. And uh, studied for four years at Penn State, went to Detroit, got a job with Chrysler Motors and uh, I did what I wanted to do way back in eighth grade. After a while I went back to grad school and then I got into business consulting and then eventually into software and ultimately ended up as a high school teacher. But uh, I really wanted to be an engineer in the auto industry and I still really like cars and I really like mechanical engineering and it's a great background as a physics teacher. So that's, that's my condensed version of my story.
0: All right. This one is a direct question for Wes. It's from Simon. He is interested. Is your boat real or a model?
4: My boat's real. It's a 33-foot sailboat, uh, sail on Chesapeake Bay. It's ready to go in the water right now, but Maryland has closed the bay to recreational boating, so I can't use it, um, at least for a while, even though I I thought, gee, I'm out there in the bay all by myself. Why not? But uh, the state of Maryland says no boating.
0: Um, this one's going to be open back up to everyone. Lainey has asked, what has been your favorite part of the season? We've been trying to really keep on the positive side of things. We know that, like, usually everyone's like, yeah, the competitions, and that's the great time we could spend all the time together. And that's sadly the part that we didn't get to see, but we did get to do a lot of other things. So what have you really taken away from this year?
1: What One of my favorite things, is the reveal videos. We didn't used to do those. We started a couple of years ago and you know you're working really hard, and you see this different aspects of the robot coming together and then particularly the last couple of years you guys have done such a great job with them. I just sit back and I thought wow that is an impressive machine. And then I want to show it off to everybody. For me, that, that's, you know, aside from the competitions and the camaraderie and all of that, I, I really like when it's together enough that you guys can make a video that uh, kind of summarizes all the good things and all the hard work we've done.
6: So, um, particularly this year, and it's something we've started to do a couple of years ago, is um, look at a bigger picture of the game and the theme. And in, in the marketing group, um, particularly but also bringing in all the other teams as well what can we do to take that theme and that idea and you know adapt it to something else and you know last year um, with a space theme you know we had that great phone in the pit and you know tied a lot of things in that way that talked about you know connections and um, this year and I'm just so sorry that people aren't going to see everything at its um, fullest, but what we did with bringing in this idea of um, rising together, together we rise and making these awards that um, brought so many parts of our team together to collaborate on something and then our PEP, which, you know, actually, there may only have been three or four of us on the team that actually saw what that was, and I'm so sorry. We'll we'll get it up and running for everybody to see. Um, Those would have just been awesome things at competitions to share with all the other teams, with the judges, and show just that, you know, the 4342 family is so much more than building this robot. And, that's what I get the biggest joy out of is when we see the team coming together from so many different areas working together for a common goal. So that's always been my favorite, especially the last couple of years. And this year I was so impressed watching all the kids come up with, um, taking an idea and running with it, or maybe it took weeks to come, you know, to a final decision on something, but everything was just beautiful in the end. And, uh, Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that we didn't get to show it off in competitions. I think my favorite part is watching how the whole thing comes together. There's a whole
4: bunch of different teams doing their own thing, and then it has to all get integrated together into one robot that performs whatever the problem is for the year. And I really enjoy watching the decision making of, well, we put this here and that there, but it's too big, so we have to cut the, the size down, cut the weight down. This year was the first year that I've been involved where we didn't have to cut the weight down, which we missed that part. But the the physical space of some of the, um, the animation features, uh, just how they all fit together and how they can fit onto the chassis is just, it's kind of amazing uh, to watch that process and see how all those things all, all fit together and how the, you have to make some sort of accommodation in uh, in some areas to cut the size down, speed something up. You can't use so many motors because you're using too much power. So just watching that process work is uh, kind of one of my favorite pieces.
3: I'm gonna echo Wes again a bit here. Um, I think my favorite part uh, this past year is is watching the, the evolution or how far it's evolved where they go from concept to CAD to fabrication to assembly and uh get the thing built and uh, get it to function and all that uh, we never used to build that way way back when it was cut a few pieces put them together try this try that now we're getting this is high tech now now this is how engineering is going to work concept uh, cad cam all that stuff and uh and we're doing it which um I'm glad to see we evolved to that point. This is what uh, this is what they're going to see when they get out, go to work as engineers. That's my favorite part.
2: I kind of look back with nostalgia now at that like first weekend in January, where you know you had everybody in Mr. Fulmer's room, and you know I remember my son Luke saying like it's like Christmas Eve, the night before, you know that reveal and we sort of laughed at him but um, you know I kind of get it now you know it's like you get the whole game and all the components and the strategy you know all that stuff comes that day and then it just goes from there so um, I think that was looking back like a really fun um, sort of weekend because he also had everybody um, together working on it and then from there they all kind of break out in these little groups and you sort of lose track of them a little bit at least I did. You know who's working on what, but um, I think the unity that happens in that first weekend was really um, fun to see.
5: My favorite's when everything's pid tuned and all the empirical values are figured out so that we can actually start doing things. <laughs> um no, really, I really like.
1: I just <laughs> want to interject. You're never done pid tuning. Come on, Ernie. Who are you trying to fool?
5: You, you, you and those programmers will
3: tweak
1: the pids as long as we let you.
3: <laughs> and the and the other thing ernie is i never heard them called pids until uh i heard you guys talking about it it's that's, always been tid loops for me uh out in industry they don't call them pids
5: you're probably right too because they're probably they're probably the correct ones we're crazy Nadine yeah. <laughs> <It
3: makes, laughs> gets a chuckle out of that because that's what she does for a living she goes they're doing pids what's a PID?" Yeah, that's funny.
5: That's what happens when everything you learns from WPI lib. <laughs> everything you learns on a screen. Um, but really I guess like I guess what I'm really specifically trying to get I will be more specific on what I'm saying. I think my, my favorite part, I guess, specifically from where I from is when a lot of the software team has written a bunch of the initial things and we kind of worked with mechanical and everything kind of and hardware and we kind of get an idea and obviously nothing's ever truly finalized um until we really know. Um which as Don was saying, we've been doing a better job at finalizing things earlier via CAD and other things. But my, my favorite part is probably when, you know, everything is really starting to come. I feel like we kind of said this, but more specifically when the software, when some stuff's coming together and you start seeing the controls move via the Rio from the driver station. And it's not that, you know, it's actually through the software and things are being controlled how they should be, like almost like end to end. That's kind of when my favorite part starts to happen is, is, you know, when that starts to happen when we're finally starting to integrate everything all together. Um and you start seeing it. the driver station trigger, you know, an actuator over here, which moves the motor, which moves that. So I think that's probably my favorite part when that when stuff like that starts happening and you start really getting into the the nitty gritty of it and being like, all right, so stuff's moving, now let's really write, write some good l- logic to make it an actual robot. All
0: right. Um this one is personal question. Um for all of you if you could be on the drive team for any of the games in all of first history what position would you want in what game
3: i'd want to be the driver for the the steamworks game
1: i think i would want to be the pilot for the steamworks game because you'd be up there with another player and you'd be able to see the whole field and see everything happening um, I think of th- that year, that was a, a very interesting vantage point uh, Sarah had specifically on our team. I thought that would have been cool. Although driving would be fun as well.
6: And Dan would chant the D-A-N. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not enough letters.
6: I yeah, know. Sarah's was perfect. Um, yeah, I would never, ever, ever, ever want to drive or operate the robot. I don't think I would not need for that pressure at all. Um, but some of the human player uh, things were good. Um, Steamworks, that was pretty awesome. Y- you had to be calm, cool, and collective for that. I think I would have liked to try that.
0: All right, Dom, I have, a, I have a question from Scott here that was just a little too much to write down so I had to go back to my phone. All right, Scott has asked, Approximately, how many whoopings do you have to officially issue in a standard three-hour robotics meeting, assuming the entire meeting is devoted to shop time and there is an average of 10 people in the shop at any given time?
3: Well, I want to give you a non-mathematical answer. As many whoopings as it takes to get it done. Does that answer the question? I think so. Okay. This this is a little like that riddle that my dad used to talk about. It takes a chicken and a half, a day and a half, to lay an egg and a half, how long does it take a rooster to hatch a doorknob into a hardware store? You give up? Yeah! So the rooster.
5: I'm dying right now.
3: We need a laugh track.
5: <laughs> Seriously,
6: Dom, <dumb. laughs> I honestly, the past minutes. Oh, I miss you, Dom. <laughs> I'm still
5: laughing at the whooping thing.
3: Yeah, it takes as many whoopings as it takes. However many it takes. Depends on There's how many knuckleheads are
5: there.
0: Fair answer. Fair answer. I, I feel like that number had to have gone up this year with how many people are in the shop at a time, though. Oh,
3: no, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I could have said that was my favorite thing this year, you know, but that's that's just a standard.
0: All right. Mr. Um, Jeffrey, I have a question for you here. Luke
2: has asked, who is your favorite child? Oh, my goodness. Ooh. <laughs> um, well, I have one child that just emerged, uh, and it's not Luke. <laughs> uh, it's Mia, who nobody really knows. Um, she likes to bake. Uh, they're all favorites at different times. How's that? All right. Um, I'll take another one from Baden. Where is your
0: dream vacation once you can leave your house? If you can go anywhere in the world where you want to go?
1: New
2: Zealand. Ireland. Safari in Africa. New Zealand was on the tip of my tongue, but then I um, figured I'd say Spain as well. We were uh, supposed to go there this summer, so that um, that one's painful to think about, but hopefully we'll get there still.
5: not sure for me. Um really anywhere would be cool for me. I don't travel a lot, so I'd be down to come anywhere it'd be awesome.
6: You know, uh, Detroit next week would have been nice too.
3: <laughs> would have been. Yeah. I think I'd like to go somewhere in the South Pacific. Never been there. I think it'd be pretty cool. All
0: right. Um, any words of wisdom that you want to leave with our listeners.
1: I will I will uh repeat the words of somebody I admire. These are not my own, but Jonas Salt said. Remember that the reward for work done well is the opportunity to do more. I think that's a good quote, and it uh, reflects a lot of work that a lot of the kids on the robotics team and a lot of kids that I've had the pleasure of teaching in school um, reflects what they've done and what they'll have the opportunity to do in the future, and I wish them all lots of love. Uh,
3: this is Dom. Is I, I'm just going to say fear nothing. Uh, you come up against the problem. Don't let it bother you. Don't. You know, uh, worry about so having confidence that you can solve or it fast, or contribute fast. to solving it or whatever. Fear nothing, try everything, and uh, you learn a lot that way and uh, you accomplish a lot that way. So go into it with confidence. And even if you don't have the confidence, act like you have it,
6: and it'll come. I think in whatever you do, uh, don't forget to have fun. You need to enjoy what you do, you need to love it. Uh, work won't be work if you love it and uh, things in your life won't be as difficult if you find the joy and happiness and have fun doing it.
4: Christina just stole mine pretty much the same uh, make you know work hard um, but also have something outside of work that you can do that you love to do it's um, you have to have some outside interest.
5: Kind of just echoing what Wes and Mrs. Gorman said uh, I you shoot you, like as a lot of you also are probably deciding colleges and getting a little older. And I know I kind of just wrapped up with some of that. Um, Cause I feel like I'm pretty confident on what I want to do. And I'm very happy with, with uh, you know, my general career choice, but I would definitely say do what you do, something you love and what you want to do, not something for, uh, for the money. Obviously money's important. I'm going to be wrong. You know, you don't want to not have money, but at, at the end of the day, it's more about, you know, enjoying and having fun with what you do, you know, because at the end of the day, I would rather be in a position where I feel like I'm having more fun, enjoying myself, learning and growing and helping other people more than building my own wealth because that stuff doesn't really matter in the long run. Like When you're going to die, you're not going to think about that. You're mostly going to think about the people you've impacted and things you haven't done. Um, so I, I definitely highly suggest just pursue what you love. Do, if you love it, do it. It's better to make an impact in on the world than it is for you to try and accumulate wealth and whatever. It, it's, it is truly about being happy. So I would highly recommend just do what you love and just be happy.
2: Yeah, I, I really appreciate all of those sentiments and, and echo that. I would say um, stay curious and try to learn something, you know, new. Uh, there's so many amazing, interesting things that um, our world affords us and um, go after them and enjoy. Thank you
0: all so much for coming and spending this time in your day here. It's been really odd going from seeing you like seven days a week to then like a month and I haven't heard anything. Um, It's been good to talk with all of you. I hope you and all of your families are doing well. This has been Talk 4342.